Should Christians use the preferred pronouns of people who identify as transgender? Some say yes, some say no, some propose a third way. What about using someone's so-called dead name? We're going to analyze those issues today on the Cross References Podcast. Welcome to the Cross References Podcast, where you learn how every small piece of the Bible tells one big story, and most importantly, how they all connect to the cross and Christ. Whether you're a new Christian or a veteran Bible reader, our goal is that God's Word will make more sense to you after every episode. This is Luke Taylor, I'm a minister, and I'm literally a terrorist, (laughs) or at least I'm literally a terrorist, according to this commentator on MSNBC. When Target caves into this, then it says that the moment you threaten the employees of even a very large corporation, you get to control its policies. This is economic terrorism, literally terrorism, creating fear among the workers and forcing the corporations to sell the things you want, not sell the things you don't. So So if you don't shop at Target this month, you are literally a terrorist. Congratulations. I guess I need to add that to my Twitter bio. Now, I got to admit, I mean, I laugh when I heard about that, that clip of what that guy was saying. But um, guys, we are in some dark times. So I'm recording this. It's June 11th. I'm trying to get these out early, get these all in the pipeline um, for what I wanted to talk about this month. But uh, guys, the month's not even over yet. And our president last night, he he went out and took a picture on the White House lawn of the pride flag hanging hanging from the White House, uh, same height as the American flag's announced to the world that America is a nation of pride. I mean, this is in this is just inviting God's judgment. I mean, this is these are truly some disturbing times. I I mean, God, uh, ladies and gentlemen, we need to be praying. Uh we are we are inviting God's judgment on ourselves by announcing and listen, it's a, we're a nation of pride. That is part of it. That was that's a flag for lust. <laughs> it's a flag for a little bit different sin. But um yeah, pride's in there too. And that's that's really the big sin. That's what made the devil the devil. And I'm I'm afraid of what it's going to make America. So that's why I'm hitting this issue so hard this month. Today is the fifth and final part of my study of the transgender issue from a Christian perspective. Today is called Christians and Pronouns. And I'd just like to talk about this issue today of whether Christians should use the preferred pronouns of transgender people. For some, this is a question of truth. For others, it's a question of courtesy. And so if we have time, um, we're going to also discuss the issue of dead naming someone. That's whenever you use someone's previous name after they've changed their name and, and adopted what they say is a new gender. Uh, I, I say if I have time, we're going to have time because <laughs> this is a podcast. There's no time limit. So we will get to that today, too. But I'm going to start with a book review from Preston Sprinkle's book, Embodied. Uh, this is a book that came out a few years ago. I actually remember I read the first hundred pages at least of this book in one day. Uh, Couldn't put it down. Didn't have a whole lot of choice. I was taking a flight that day, and I was supposed to arrive at my destination at about 10 a.m., and I was going to spend the rest of that day driving home. And instead, I ended up arriving there about 8 p.m., and I ended up needing to get a hotel. So I had lots and lots of reading time. When I think about this book, Embodied, I think about uh, sitting in an airport terminal 
and sitting in my hotel room, sitting at the Continental Breakfast. And I was just devouring this book. I mean, it was, at least it gave me something interesting to do while I was spending all that time waiting. Not just reading the book, but reflecting on it and pondering what it said. I mean, this was a very thought-provoking book. And uh, and so it, on the bright side, it made the time go by quickly that day. Um, but I would say, I think just about every Christian in 2023 who cares about this transgender issue, uh, they need to read this book because it's really going to give you a good overview of how to treat a transgender person with kindness, despite not agreeing with them on the subject of transgenderism. And, uh, you know, it helped me understand some things. I never understood what liberals were talking about when they, you know, when they talk about like harmful stereotypes. Um, liberals will often decry certain stereotypes as offensive, but they don't explain why it's offensive. Uh, they just say it like it's self-evident that a stereotype is, is offensive. And I'm, I can understand how some are, but I, but I don't know why stereotypes in general are just supposed to be considered an offensive thing. Um, a lot of them just seem pretty innocent to me. So Sprinkle, and he doesn't call himself a liberal, I don't think, but uh, he gives an actual explanation for how stereotypes can be harmful. And so that's that's helped me a bit to, to reconsider some of the things I say. So I appreciate the book for that. Um, but, but I don't just give out a 100% endorsement of the book because there are a few major red flags in the book. Sprinkle seems to think that there is such a thing as a transgender Christian, that some transgender people can love God and worship God and be saved, that they're just at a different place in their sanctification than other Christians. I would push back on that a little bit. Um, if it was like in the video that I played for you last week, or maybe it was a couple weeks ago, uh, where I, I played a few episodes back, I played a video where um, somebody had was a transgender, they got saved, and then over over time, very pretty quickly, they realized that they were not living in um, accordance with what God's Word said about gender. I think I played that on the transgenderism versus the Bible episode, if you want to go back and find that. So, you know, if someone comes to an awareness, that, that is a, a manner of sanctification for sure. But if it's a long-term thing, if it's like 10 years, 20 years, that someone is still living a transgender lifestyle and not acknowledging that they are who God made them to be, well, in that case, I would I would have a much harder time accepting somebody like that as a Christian. Um, Preston Sprinkle seems to accept people like that as Christians. That was a bit of a red flag for me. I, 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 he says he believes, he teaches in the book, that transgenderism is wrong and that it's even sinful. But I think he might have been a little too accepting there. Another area where I disagree strongly with him is when it comes to pronouns. And so he presents three views of how to approach the subject of pronouns. And, and I'll just lay it out here so we can all be on the same page. When someone identifies as a different gender than what their biological sex is, oftentimes they will request, in some cases demand, that we refer to them by their preferred pronouns. And so that's a, that's a simple enough concept to understand. Uh, it's gone beyond referring to someone as simply a he or a she nowadays. Sometimes people want to be referred to as a they, or sometimes even an it. Sometimes they identify as gender fluid or pansexual or some totally new gender, something that didn't even have a name five minutes ago. And they might actually demand that you call them an it. And, and you're being told that if you don't call somebody an it, that you are dehumanizing them, that they want to be called an it instead of a he or a she. Some, some of them want to be called they. That's a word that generally refers 
to multiple people, not just singular people. One popular designation today is to say that you're non-binary, that you are neither male nor female, that or maybe they can't decide what they are. Maybe they say it changes by the day. They call themselves gender fluid. They say they go back and forth. So when you talk to someone like this, which I think what you got to remember is that these things do not exist. Like, you know, there's no such thing as being non-binary. There's no such thing as gender fluid. Um, there's one Hollywood actor who recently said he wants to be called a tree. He said that his preferred pronouns are tree and tree self. This actor's name is uh, Groot. He's quoted here as saying, I am Groot. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, his his name is Keenan Lonsdale. This is a guy, he played the Flash on, on a superhero show years ago. Okay, here's what he said. He said, okay, this might sound stupid, but I don't care. I don't think this is offensive, but I don't want to go by he anymore. I just want to go by tree. I want people to call me tree because we all come from trees. So it doesn't matter if you're a he or a she or a they or a them. At the end of the day, everyone's a tree. I want to call my friends tree and me tree and everyone tree. So I think like when people ask me what my preferred pronoun is, I'm going to say tree. I'm not high, by the way. This is just me. (laughs) I had to include that last line just because it rhymed with everything else. So he says, we all come from trees. <laughs> That's his perspective, is that we all come from trees. Did you, did you guys ever watch Everybody Loves Raymond? Do you remember that episode with the crazy girl who's obsessed with frogs? And her explanation for why she has frogs all over her house, she says, we all come from frogs. <laughs> that, was, that was like confirmation that she was a psycho in that episode. And uh, and so now, now someone says that we all come from trees, Apparently, society is not just going to lock them up anymore. We're just going to start calling them a tree. That's what they say that we need to do. That's how detached from reality that we've become. When you start, I would say, compromising on this pronoun issue. We're going to get into that later. Um, But honestly, guys, it's like in the past, someone would say that they hear voices. We would put them in an asylum. That, That was what you did with people who heard voices. And if you just listened a couple episodes ago, a lot of these people who are talking about why they became transgender, they say they started hearing voices. And so now we don't lock people up in asylums for that anymore. Now we're writing front page article news about them. Now we're putting them on the covers of magazines and celebrating them for their transitions. And so this is how radically different our society has become in a very short span of time. There's others who, it doesn't just stop with with trees. There's people who want to identify as demon and they say their pronoun is demon self. I would probably be a little more willing to go along with that one. Listen, listen to these people. Hi, my name's Jasper. I use they pronouns. Hi, my name is Liana. I use they demon pronouns. This video is how to use our pronouns. So Liana uses they them pronouns and demon pronouns. So the first sentence would be, Liana is my partner. They are cute and I am theirs. I love them very much and I hope they love themselves too. For the demon pronouns, it would be, Liana is my partner, Deem is cute, and I belong to Deem. I love Demon very much, and I hope Deem loves Demon's self, too. Then interchanging the two would be, Liana is my partner, they are cute, and I am Deem's. I love Demon very much, and I hope they love Demon's self, too. So if you want to Google it and just go even further down the the pronoun rabbit hole, you're going to see more and more people are requesting to be referred to as demons. And um, and that's why I've been saying all throughout this series, this is not just a sinful 
movement. It's, it's a demonic movement. And not in just the general sense that all sin is demonic. I don't mean that. I mean that there are literally uh, demonic forces that are manifesting around this issue of transgenderism. And so um, it, I would, that's what I'm saying. I'd be a little more willing to go along with someone who wants to be called a demon. Because if you remember a certain encounter Jesus had with a demon-possessed man, you might recall, he said, my name is Legion, for we are many. So perhaps if anyone deserved to be called a demon self or a they-them pronoun, it would be that guy. But in general, how should Christians consider this pronoun thing? Well, here's a few different ideas on this subject. Uh, one of them is called, I guess I'm going to call it biological pronouns. I think that's pretty self-explanatory. That's whenever you use the pronouns that match someone's biological sex. The reason being it would be, uh, if it's not apparent, that it's considered dishonest if you use preferred pronouns, that it would communicate a falsehood to somebody. Denny Burke is a Christian author. He says, I must never encourage or accommodate transgender fictions with my words. In fact, I have an obligation to expose them. For me, that means I may never refer to a biological male with pronouns that encourage him to think of himself as a female. Likewise, I may never refer to a biological female with pronouns that encourage her to think of herself as a male. So I, that's pretty self-explanatory right there. Biological pronouns on the basis of that we need to be founded in, in truth and reality. Uh, there's another view of how to approach this thing with pronouns called pronoun avoidance. And this would be kind of a third way, even though I'm getting to it second. <laughs> it's kind of it's kind of in the middle of the view, so I'm doing it second. But pronoun avoidance, that's where you just avoid using pronouns for somebody when, when they don't prefer pronouns that are biologically accurate. So for someone like Bruce slash Caitlyn Jenner, instead of saying Caitlyn Jenner was being interviewed on Fox and he said this or he said that, You'd say Caitlyn Jenner was being interviewed on Fox and Jenner said this or Jenner said that. You just keep using the person's name or you avoid referring to, the, to him or her whenever possible. So it's a way of trying to stay truthful while remaining as non-offensive as possible about it. And I can respect that view. Um, I also want to be truthful. I don't want to be unnecessarily offensive. Uh, if, you, if you work somewhere, if you work with a transgender person and if your workplace demands that you comply with preferred pronouns, this might be the way to go, is just to avoid using pronouns whatsoever. You know, that might be what you have to do, uh, unless someone is just, you know, practically forcing you, and then what do you do then? So a third view um, at the other end of the spectrum is something called pronoun hospitality. And Christians who propose pronoun hospitality, they might agree that it's technically not truthful whenever we use someone's preferred pronouns, but they say that we need to do this, first of all, as a matter of politeness. You know, and we kind of do this all the time already. You, you know, when someone asks how their outfit looks, you know, are you going to tell them it looks slimming? Are you going to tell them it makes them look like Shrek? Well, sometimes people choose to be polite in those situations, even if they're not 100% honest. And, uh, and that's not necessarily my perspective that we should do that. <laughs> don't even ask me how your hair looks or how your clothes look. You know, I will, I'm likely to just tell you even if I don't think it looks good. Now, in other situations, um, you might tell somebody something just polite. You say, oh, hey, good to see you today. Well, what if it really wasn't good to see them today? Well, in one sense, you might have lied, but it's one of those little things that we do just to be polite. Um, some people call this a little white lie for the sake of civility. 
And, and I'm not going to get into that subject today necessarily. I'm just kind of explaining this is what the pronoun hospitality view is, is that you just do a little white light here for the sake of being uh, courteous to somebody um, and not trying to offend them. J.D. Greer is a pastor. I've actually talked to him before. I've interviewed him uh, for a book he did, and um, he's done done some other things since then. <laughs> he was like SBC president or something a while back. I had a pleasant conversation with him. I disagree strongly with many of the positions that he has held in the past few years. One of the things he said about this pronoun issue, he said, well, you know, look, as a courtesy, you should refer to a transgender person by their preferred pronoun, a sort of generosity of spirit kind of approach. And you see evidence in the Bible of that. Personally, I lean a bit towards, again, I'm quoting him. He says, personally, I lean a bit towards generosity of spirit. If a transgender person came into our church and my life, I think my disposition would be to refer to them by their preferred pronoun. When we talk about gender, I will be clear with them on the truth. So his his perspective is to do this pronoun hospitality thing where you use somebody's preferred pronouns for the sake of not offending them. And back to this book I was talking about at the beginning, Preston Sprinkle also takes the pronoun hospitality view. This is where I most strongly disagree with him in this book, even though I think it's a good thing for people to read this when they want to engage on this issue, it's good for your education. But I, I will say with the, with the caveat, I don't agree with everything in the book. And this is one issue where I disagree strongly. So Pre- Preston Sprinkle says, um, for you know, he gives the point that language changes over time and the meanings of words are always fluid and they always will be fluid. And so we shouldn't try to assign so much objective meaning to words. He says language is flexible enough that we can use preferred pronouns. That doesn't necessarily make us a liar because of the flexibility of language. And he says, if you want to build a relationship with someone in the hopes of sharing the gospel with them down the road, it's not going to get off to such a great start if you're not willing to accommodate their pronouns. Let me read a quote from him in the book. He says, all throughout scripture, we see God meeting people where they are in order to walk with them where he wants them to be. When the son came to earth, he met us where we were. He entered into our pain, our mess, even our wombs. He didn't speak to us in his native language of heavenese and demand that we learn its grammar. Rather, he spoke our human language in all its imperfection because that was the language we could understand. So when I was, uh, listen, when I was teaching on this subject as a youth pastor in 2016, this transgender thing was so new and I was like looking at this issue of pronouns and I, I was, back then, I was a little bit unsure just because on the one hand, If you use someone's preferred pronouns, you were lying to them. But on the other hand, if you want to have an actual conversation and a personal relationship with someone and try to move them towards the gospel and move them towards Jesus, if you're not going to use their preferred pronouns, then they might not be willing to have any kind of relationship with you. So I even back then, I remember I was a little bit kind of going back and forth like, well, what's the right answer here? And and so that was seven years ago. I was trying to sort through those things because it was such a it was kind of a new as far as how much it had blown up on the world scene. And I wasn't sure what the right answer was back then. I feel very strongly, I feel pretty solid now on what the right answer is. And so my take, I'll give you my take here. I've kind of already given it throughout this episode, but I'll give you my take here. Um, One, this issue is important, but slightly overblown. And And here's why I say that. Because whenever you're talking to someone you don't use someone's pronouns when you're talking directly to them, okay? 
I say your name or I say you, I don't need to, or I might not need to say anything at all if I'm talking to you. If I'm talking to the person at Panera Bread, I'll say, hey, I'll take a venti caramel macchiato, shot of espresso, thank you, hope you're having a nice day. I don't have to use the pronouns that are on their name tag. I can have a whole conversation with someone directly to them all day long, and I'll never use a pronoun when I'm talking directly to them. It's just not something that logically comes up in a conversation. Here's where pronouns come up. It's when you're talking about a person to another person, okay? So if I say, hey, I ordered a caramel macchiato from that worker, she had it ready in 30 seconds flat. Well, that's how you use pronouns. You're talking about someone, you're not talking to them. So when I hear the hospitality argument, that doesn't work for me in that sense, because it's not, it's not about how you talk to the person, that's about how you refer to that person to other people. So that's why I say this issue is a little bit overblown, but still very important. I mean, I'm doing a whole episode about it, but we always got to remember this. When someone's demanding that you use their pronouns, they're not demanding that you use them when talking directly to them. It's about how you refer to them when you're talking about them to someone else. Okay, so keep that in mind. Number two, I see this as a slippery slope. Because <laughs> Let's say we take the courteous hospitality approach and use someone's preferred pronouns. Well, what about when they want to start using tree pronouns? What about when they want to start using demon pronouns? Are you still going to make the hospitality argument about that? Is it more, <laughs> is it showing more politeness to refer to someone as a demon just because that's what they prefer? Well, if not, then under what principle are you going to call a boy a girl, but you won't call a boy a tree? You know, once you seed that ground, once you say, oh, it's polite to just call them what they want to be called, well, where does it end whenever you do that? So what Christians need to remember is just as ridiculous for a boy to identify as a tree as it is for a boy to identify as a girl, because both of those positions are 100% wrong and 100% crazy. When a boy wants to identify as a girl, it's not taking a further step away from reality when they want to identify as a tree. Both of them are 100% false. It's wrong to identify as a tree. It's, a, it's 100% wrong. It's 100% false to identify as a woman if you're a man. So if you're going to be someone who tells the truth, you have to put your foot down and reject both. Or you have to accept both. So, which wouldn't be truthful, but it'd be consistent. You can't find a logical basis to draw the line somewhere in the middle and say, oh, well, I'll accept you as a woman, but I'm not going to accept you as a tree. Well, listen, both of those are detached from reality. Completely. So it's a slippery slope when you start going down this pronoun usage. And I, that's what I'd like to ask Preston Sprinkle about. This book came out, you know, two or three years ago when he was saying, hey, if someone wants to be called a he or a she, just accommodate them. Well, what if they want to be called a, a tree or a demon? This is, and if you, if you go down the pronoun rabbit hole, you're going to find lots and lots more that people identifying as animals and all kinds of stuff. Like this transgender thing, it's been actually really difficult for me to just stick to men who identify as women and women who identify as men. I don't think I've been talking about non-binary and stuff like that in this series because it's it just, once you start going down that road, it blows up into so much else. We need to draw the line at this transgender thing. No, a boy can't become a girl, and we're not going to pretend and go along with that and call you that. So that's point two. Number three, I agree that words can be subjective. I agree that their meanings can change. Words are subjective, but they point to a 
reality that is objective. Their meaning is objective. The word that we use to describe something is subjective, but the meaning behind that is an objective thing. Words are just the mechanisms we use to point toward an objective reality. And when we change pronouns based on someone's feelings, what we're doing is disparaging reality. Yes, words can change over time, but that's based on a societal consensus. It's just the natural evolution of language. Language does evolve. But what's being done to our language by the radical ideologues is not a natural evolution of language. It's a genetic engineering of language, and it's intended to produce their desired result. And so we shouldn't capitulate to it. And number four, it's lying. It's abandoning truth. And and that's probably the most important sticking point to me. It's agreeing with a lie or it's pretending to agree with a lie, but it's wrong either way. I I remember when I was uh, studying the seven letters to the seven churches in Revelation several years ago, and I learned about a debate that was going on in the early church about how Christians, they were They were living in this pagan, idol-filled world. The Roman government and the culture, they almost forced you to bow to their idols. And the early church was having a debate about this. Like, how much can we go along with this idol worship thing before we ourselves are worshiping idols? You know, what can we, where can we compromise is what they were saying. Because there was so much pressure by the culture. There There was one Roman emperor who demanded, he put up a statue of himself and he demanded that anybody who walks by kneel before the statue and then and then you can move on through the down the street or whatever. And so Christians were were like, well how can we how can we compromise with that law? How are we going to go down the street now if there's that idol sitting out there, that statue? And so some of them proposed a compromise. They said, "Hey, what if what if you do this? Whenever you're walking in front of the idol, just stop, kneel down and tighten up your sandal straps." And so to the outside world, it looks like you're kneeling when in reality, you're just taking a moment to adjust your shoes. So they presented this as a compromise for how Christians could get away with passing by the statues and even kneeling before them without actually worshiping them. They were trying to kind of thread this needle right here. Deceive people, basically, to make them think that you're bowing to their idols. And if you do that, maybe they'll just leave you alone. But what the early church concluded was that, no, you shouldn't even give the impression that you are bowing to their idols. You don't even want to give the impression. 1 Thessalonians 5.22, it says, abstain from all appearance of evil. You don't even want to just avoid evil. You don't even want to just avoid sin, but you also want to avoid putting out the impression that you are sinning. And when you bow to an idol, it doesn't matter if you're really bowing or just pretending to. Either way, when you do that, you're being a coward. You're not standing for the truth. And whenever you use somebody's preferred pronouns, And those pronouns don't reflect reality. It's basically trying to make the same compromise. You are lying. You're deceiving others to make them think that you're bowing to their idols. And we're not told to appease idols. We're told to smash the idols. And actually, I want to put out a fifth point on this too. I don't think Christians should do this thing where they notify people of their preferred pronouns because this is becoming a more popular thing. You click on someone's social media uh, profile and it'll say, you know, he, she, or sorry, it'll say, well, it might say that. It'll say he, him, or she slash her. You know, it'll put, they'll put this on their social medias to, to basically volunteer that information out there. Hey, this is what I would like to be called. Whether it's biologically accurate or not, people are just putting that out there. And, and here's what I think Christians should do. I don't think we should do that. 
I think we should dress and behave in accordance with the cultural norms that are about our gender, okay? So that it shouldn't be, basically here's why. It should not be difficult for other people to discern what your gender is, okay? I'm not a strict hardliner about this. I mean, I might be stricter than most Christians, but I don't, I, you know, the Bible has some rules about gender distinctives. I don't sit around thinking about what someone's hair length should be or else they're sinning. I mean, I have some ideas about that, but at the end of the day, here's what it really comes down to is clarity, okay? It should be clear based on your dress, based on your appearance, that you are a man or a woman, and so if you are presenting yourself clearly to the outside world and it's easier for people to tell what you are and it should be in accordance with your biological sex, of course, but if it's clear what you are, then there should be no reason to broadcast your pronouns to everybody. It should just be obvious. But whenever you do do this thing of notifying people, hey, here's my preferred pronouns. I'm going to put it on my social media platform. I'm going to put it on my email signature, okay? Whenever you do that, you are broadcasting not just your language preferences. You're also broadcasting that you are in an ideological alignment with this left-wing gender ideology. So basically, you're communicating alignment and support with this LGBT movement whenever you do that. So Christians should not be broadcasting their preferred pronouns. There's no reason for us to do that. Present yourself clearly in accordance with your biological sex and people shouldn't even have to ask, all right? Uh, there is a there's a Christian woman, her name's Rosario Butterfield, and she used to be gay, she got saved, and now she specifically tries to evangelize LGBT people, tries to turn them away from that lifestyle and help them turn to Jesus. And so she used to be on the pronoun hospitality side of things. She used to use people's preferred pronouns, but now she has changed her mind. I'm gonna read a report here that was reported in Daily Wire, it said Butterfield, who was a tenured radical professor, and that, that's how she described herself, tenured radical professor at Syracuse University and a lesbian when she came to first became a Christian in 1999, denounced her lifestyle amid her conversion, but had continued to, to use the preferred pronouns of her friends who identified as transgender rather than the pronouns which conform to their true sex. She said, you have got to meet people and respect people where they are. That's what she said eight years ago. Butterfield nevertheless denounced her past use of transgendered pronouns in an article published Monday characterizing her previous endorsement of such terminology as public sin, which requires public repentance. And here's what she wrote. I think she posted this on her website or, or blog or whatever. She says, using transgendered pronouns is a sin against the ninth commandment and encourages people to sin against the 10th commandment. Using transgendered pronouns is a sin against the creation ordinance. Using transgendered pronouns is a sin against image-bearing. Using transgendered pronouns fails to offer genuine Christian hospitality and instead yields the definition of hospitality to liberal commun communitarianism and identity politics. <laughs> Getting some big words there. And finally, using transgendered pronouns fails to love my neighbor as myself. And I, I like that last point that she brings out. For me personally, I prefer that people tell me the truth. I don't want people to lie to make me feel better. I don't want false flattery. I mean, I request politeness and civility, but I'm not going to ask you to lie to me. And I'm going to love you as I love myself, which means I'm not going to lie to you.
So if you have any harsh words for me today about anything in my five-part series on transgenderism and what God's Word says, you can send your hate mail to crossreferencespodcast at gmail.com, or you can send whatever you'd like to that email address, questions, comments, whatever you want to know, send it there. Maybe we can talk about it on a mailbag segment of the show down the road. Uh, Leave a comment if you're on a platform that does comments, and I'll probably see it there too. Now, here's one aspect I haven't gotten to yet, and it's this concept of dead naming. Should we use someone's new name when they change when they change their name? And I feel like this one is a little bit less clear than the pronoun thing. Um, it's a little bit more of a gray area to me. And and here's why: Be- because somebody can legally change their name. So changing your name is not quite the same as a pronoun in that way, um, as far as I know. Bruce Jenner has actually legally changed his name to Caitlin. Uh, Ellen Page has legally changed her name to Elliot Page. I would assume that as far as I know. So I I don't think I'm agreeing with their decision to do that just because I use their new name. Uh, there is a part of me that still doesn't want to. I prefer I would prefer to say Bruce Jenner or Ellen Page. Um, I, I mean, I generally do if I refer to them. But... Uh, so I, but I, I can understand the argument that you're not a, just, they might legally, I mean, legally it's, it's something on your, um, social security card and all that, that you have legally changed your name to this new name. So it's a little bit more murky, I guess, than the pronoun thing. Um, on, on the other hand, if it was one of my family members, I would just call them what their, the name their parents gave them. Like I definitely wouldn't go along with it. If some, you know, somebody in my own family, someone that I personally knew, if they said, oh, yeah, here's my new name, I'd be like, no, you know, your parents gave you this name and this is what I'm going to call you. This is what you are. So, I mean, if it was if it was my own family members, I would still use their probably their their former name, their original name. Um, but I can understand also someone legally changes their name. I don't I want I guess I wouldn't necessarily say that you're sinning here. Here's maybe time will give me more clarity on this, but I'm going to tell you one thing that kind of influenced my thought process. There's this actor it was like Brad Pitt or Ryan Reynolds, one of these one of these Hollywood actors, had a daughter and named his daughter James. And I that's just like a really I mean, James is a perfectly fine name, but for a girl, I just I, that just seems like a terrible name to give a girl. You know, honestly. Just I'm sorry if you're a female out there named James, but I just feel like that's a very clearly a boy name. Um now, but but then here's what I thought. Let's just say that I met this girl, okay? Would I refuse to use her name just because I think her her parents gave her a really awful name for a girl? Would I just refuse to use her name? Well, no, I wouldn't do that. Because, I mean, what else am I going to call her? You know, so that, I mean, that just kind of got me thinking. Names feel gendered. They're not necessarily gendered the same way that pronouns are. Like some names, some names can really go either way. They can be a boy name or a girl name. Other names seem very fixed on one gender. So it's a little bit more subjective of an area than the pronoun thing. Uh, I can't prove from the Bible that a certain name can only be for boys or only be for girls. So anyway, I'm just trying to kind of work through this thing, see what the best approach to that is. And and maybe time will give me a little bit more clarity on it. If you have an opinion on that subject, I'd love to hear it. Send it, send it in to me. Crossreferencespodcast at gmail.com. If you got a Christian perspective on this, I would really like to hear it. So email me or comment below. I'm just kind of being honest as I kind of work through these things in my own head um, that I can see where the the name thing is just a little bit more of a gray area 
because there's more of a legality associated with it. So there you go. That's where I'm at. I want to close with this thought. Um, most of the best Christian movies are are not actually Christian movies. Um, one of my favorite Christian movies is called Silence. It's a 2016 film. It's directed by Martin Scorsese. I mean, I, I literally consider this one of the greatest Christian films ever made. You're not going to find it on the shelf at any Christian bookstore or anything like that. Um, Martin Scorsese is not a godly man. Many of his movies are very dark and disturbing. Silence is a bit dark and disturbing. But it's a very Christian movie. It's about Japanese persecution of Christians back at, you know, this was like hundreds of years ago. And, and technically they were Catholics in the movie. That's not really relevant to my point, but I mean, it's just being historically accurate. So anyway, it's not just a historically accurate movie. It's a very honest movie. It's a movie about faith. It's a movie about testing your faith. It's about where you draw the line and the way that the Japanese um, will try to break a Christian in this movie. It was very interesting to me because they don't just start with torture and doing hor horrible things to you. They don't demand that you recant your faith just right when they catch you and say, hey, deny Christ. They don't do that. What they do is they just take a, a little, a flat little image of Jesus, tiny little coin thing, and they put it on the ground and they just ask you to put your foot on it. That's all they ask you to do. Just put your foot on it for a few seconds. You don't have to outright apostatize. Just put your foot on this picture of Jesus. Hold it there for a second. That's all. Just one tiny little compromise. Just one small gesture of disrespect to Jesus. And if you're willing to do that, then they know it's it's just a matter of time before you will apostatize because they can come back the next day and demand a little bit more and come back the next day and demand a little bit more. It's They're not asking for outright apostasy. They just want a little today, a little bit more tomorrow. Apostasy in baby steps, literally in, in baby steps. And uh, that's... That's how I see this pronoun issue. And yes, I said it's overblown, okay? It does seem like a small request to us to ask to use someone's preferred pronouns. But as I've been saying, when you do that, it, it does point you in a direction of apostasy. I'm not saying everybody who uses preferred pronouns has apostatized. I'm not saying they necessarily will. But it points you in that direction because it points you on the compromise path. It's telling a lie. It might be a small lie, but tomorrow they're going to demand a bigger lie. And so when you do that, it's taking a baby step down the wrong path. A path of falsehood instead of a path of truth. And that puts you on a collision course with God. There was another man who suffered persecution, Alexander Solzhenitsyn. He was an Orthodox Christian. He opposed communism and Soviet totalitarianism in the 1900s. He lived in the USSR until, until they actually kicked him out. Thankfully, he wasn't killed. Um... I think by then he was too much of a global hero because of his dissidence to that government. But just before he was exiled, he published his final message to the Russian people. It was called Live Not By Lies. So in this final address that he had, he said, dictatorships can only survive on lies. He writes, our way must be never knowingly support lies. His point was, don't affirm even the slightest falsehood of the regime. Oppose even the smallest of lies that they will try to tell you, that they will try to get you to tell or agree with. And, and here's another quote that he says from that, from that address. He says, yes, at first it will not be fair. Someone will have to temporarily lose his job. For the young who seek to live by truth, this will at first severely complicate life for their tests and quizzes too. 
they're stuffed with lies, and so choices will have to be made. But there is no loophole left for anyone who seeks to be honest. Not even for a day, not even in the safest technical occupations, can he avoid even a single one of the listed choices to be made in favor of either truth or lies, in favor of spiritual independence or spiritual servility. And as for him who lacks the courage to defend even his own soul, let him not brag of his progressive views, boast of his status as an academician or a recognized artist, as a distinguished citizen or general. Let him say to himself plainly, I am cattle, I am a coward, I seek only warmth and to eat my fill. (laughs) So he's got some strong words there for people who capitulate on even small lies. But these are words from somebody who lived in a totalitarian government, someone whose words that I think we should heed if we're living in America today. That's what we will have in our country if we don't put our foot down. It might mean losing job opportunities. It might mean some present costs, some suffering for you. But it's not just about you. It's about your kids. It's about the next generation. It's about what kind of world they're going to grow up in. And they shouldn't have to grow up in a world of lies. The reason we're not supposed to use preferred pronouns is because they're untrue. And using them is lying. And we aren't supposed to live by lies. We're supposed to live by truth. So as I keep saying, it's overblown because you don't actually use pronouns whenever you're communicating to someone. But it's still something we shouldn't budge on because we are using pronouns to communicate about a person. And that's still very important. Once you communicate the idea that you think a man can, even in some limited sense, become a woman, then you've lost the whole argument about transgenderism. You might not realize it yet, but you've actually surrendered your own language to the gender ideologues. They're trying to manipulate the dictionary and weaponize politeness, and you've just handed them the victory whenever you do that. If you go down the pronoun rabbit hole, you're abandoning truth itself. If you let them win the language game, you let them dictate the rules of what is considered polite conversation. Don't compromise with the idols. Don't appease them. Don't kneel before them. Smash them. And live not by lies. Thanks for listening to the Cross References Podcast. If you've been here for all five parts, a huge thank you. I'm so glad you could join in. I hope you learned something. I hope you were empowered and encouraged for this fight. Share this information with someone that you think needs it. This has been Luke Taylor reminding you that we don't all come from trees. Oh,